Welcome to the first episode of my podcast, and where, oh, where do I begin? I'll start by bringing you up to speed on everything that's going on in this crazy place that we call America right now. So strap yourselves in because we have a lot to get to. Welcome to Guard Nation. So given that you're still here and that you've made it past the intro, you probably want to know what this podcast is all about and allow me to enlighten you. Given my interest in politics and my somewhat of a background in it, one of the most frustrating things about politics is that it is governed by misinformation and hypocrisy. And while I can never do anything about the hypocrisy, one thing that I can try to help with is misinformation. One of the most frustrating things, again, when you're looking at politics or if you're wanting to get started with it or wanting to become interested in it, is that you never know, even with the news cycle, even if you're not interested in politics and you just want to be up with the news, you have absolutely no idea where to go for reliable news anymore. And it has always been a crazy dynamic to try and learn where you know accurate news would come from. But ever since the 2016 election, that has completely spun out of control where you just never know anymore where you can get unbiased news. And a lot of people will tell you, that there is no such thing as unbiased news, and those people would probably be correct because everybody that writes any kind of news article has some type of bias, you know, present. But and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that as long as they're upfront about it. Now I will be upfront with you as I give you my information. All right, where I lean, lean politically, as I said in the trailer, if you listen to it, is I'm pretty much square in the middle. Okay, I have no problem whatsoever calling out the good and the bad for both sides. Okay, President Trump, I'll just because this is an introduction, I don't mind to tell you, I did not vote for President Trump in 2016. I was not impressed with President Trump in 2016, but I was also not impressed with Hillary Clinton in 2016. And I have no problem because I have no loyalty to either party or either candidate or whomever. Um, I, I have no loyalty whatsoever, so it does not bother me one bit to criticize either side, and it also doesn't bother me to praise both sides, because both sides a lot of times are deserving of praise and are deserving of criticism, and I think that it is there's nothing wrong with giving both where it is due. And so that's where we're going to start today, and I, as I sat down, I tried to figure out where in the world do I start this podcast, because I want to bring you up to date on everything that's going on, but also... How in the world do I do that? Because number one, the news cycle moves about a thousand miles an hour. So by the time you even hear this podcast, there will be a ton more news that has come out. But number two, how do I rope in everything that's going on in the, in, in the uh, United States into an introduction? And so pretty much, I kind of broke it down into two categories. There are two major things that are going on right now, two of which you are, unless you're living under a rock, you're very familiar with, hopefully. Number one is the coronavirus pandemic, which is absolutely reshaping the United States as we know it today. And the other thing is the 2020 election. And so I'm going to give a basic rundown on those things today and move over them so that we can kind of, you know, like I said, be brought up today so that you guys know as I move forward and I discuss more, you know, you can be more up to, up to date, excuse me, on where we are. So the first thing is the coronavirus pandemic. And normally... On a political podcast, 
you wouldn't necessarily expect to talk about a health pandemic. You know, it wouldn't necess- it shouldn't be relevant. I-, I will be honest with you. This is not something that I should be discussing on a political podcast, a medical emergency or a medical pandemic. But unfortunately, because of the way politics is now, everything must be made political. Everything must be made political, including things that we should all be behind to try and fix and that we should all be working together on still get tied up because of politics. And so the biggest issue that is going on right now with the coronavirus is how to treat moving forward. Because regardless of what both sides say, both sides want this coronavirus to be over. Neither side likes death. All right. Neither side likes death. And everybody wants to try and emerge the United or has have America emerge as a in some type of recovery operation that will have the least amount of damage. Because one thing that all sides can agree on now is there's going to be a lot of damage to the U.S. economy and to the population once this is over. This has done a lot more damage, I think, than what a lot of people thought was going to happen. So where do we go moving forward? All right, where do we go there? So I will just tell you, if you unless you've been under a rock, you've probably seen all of the controversy surrounding this. The more right-leaning conservative option says... We should reopen. We should make moves to try and reopen the United States because the economy is suffering so poorly that we're moving in. You know, the debt is being blown out with all these, you know, surely if you got your stimulus check with all these bailouts going to small businesses um, and some to, to large businesses, that all these government bailouts are just sort of blowing out the deficit. And there's this massive, massive economic impact that needs to be, you know, needs to be curtailed in some way. It needs to be as minimal economic impact as possible because, and even if that means more deaths from U.S. citizens, because a bad economy in the long run could mean more deaths for U.S. citizens in the long run, even if it's not at the hands of the coronavirus. Suicide has been on a spike because people, you know, are losing their jobs. They're becoming upset. Suicide rates have skyrocketed. Um, not having uh, access to basic medical care has has gone up because you know obviously the hospitals they're not now but the medical all medical facilities were overloaded there for a little while and so it's caused an over or kind of a dwindling of the US population not to mention if it were to increase to a point where the US economy were to collapse or were to just enter this depression that could mean a lot worse for American lives so that's that's sort of the conservative view. The liberal view says, no, we should not go back to work. We should not reopen because it will save lives. Even if it is more of a bad economic impact, even if it means we have to blow out the deficit, even if it means more government checks and more government spending, as long as people are being taken care of and, you know, kept well, that is what, that, that is the course of action that we should take. And so a lot of Americans are torn on those two ideas. You see a lot of people, a lot of polls come out that ask Americans, and they're always framed really poorly. They'll always say, oh, well, do you think that we should go back to work and help the economy, or do you think that we should save lives? And it's not necessarily a, an either-or there, because everyone agrees, yes, what, what you see over and over and over and over and over again in the media is that the media will say, oh, my gosh, because, you know, of course the media does... As of right now, which we'll talk more about this later on, but as of right now, the media does 
tend to side more with Democrats, more liberal, liberally minded. I think if you're a rational person, you probably know this. Surely you know that, you know, I, I don't understand why there are Democrats now who try to deny media bias. Um, I, I really, I, it, it blows my mind because it, even if you are a Democrat, surely you can recognize that the media is more on your side. And a lot of that pre is President Trump's fault. President Trump, you know, he's fake news is his famous phrase. He goes after the media all the time. He attacks the media all the time. A lot of that is his fault. And that's fine. They're free to criticize President Trump. But I wish that a lot of Democrats sometimes would under would, you know would acknowledge that there is media bias um, in their favor. And so what you see on the media a lot of times is the media will say, oh no, if you want to reopen, that means that you don't care about lives. That means that you don't care about lives. You you're gonna kill grandma, as what Ben Shapiro likes to say. You're you know, you don't care you just want to go back to work so that those corporations can make money. When that's not the case at all. And that's not fair to make that case. That is not the case at all. All right, that is an unfair approach that the, that Democrats and the liberal media take. All right, conservatives are just trying to figure out what is the best long-term situation. And it is not a false equivalency of saying, oh, because I want to go back to work, I just don't care about everyone else. That is not the way it works. It's just not the way it works. There, it's just a disagreement that's met. But I, what kills me is that the media kind of take try to take the moral argument and say, oh, well, if you want to go back to work, it's because you don't care about lives. No, lives are going to be lost either way. The question is, how do we have the fewest lives with the, with the least amount of economic impact? And it sounds bad, but an economic, a really poor economic impact could cost a lot more lives than the coronavirus. You know, if the U.S. economy were to collapse... I mean, God only knows what would actually happen. I mean, how many lives we could lose. And so, on the other side, conservatives to Democrats will say, oh, no, you guys are just all you're wanting to do is not open up. You want people to stay home. You want to pay people to not go back to work through unemployment. And you just want, this is your chance right here. This is your chance to implement your socialist policies, which so that, that nobody has to go to work. The government's going to pay all your bills and pay all your things. And this is going to be the new America. This is how we'll emerge from the coronavirus. And I think that that also, on the other side, is not fair. That is not the way that it works. Democrats are not trying to flip America into some socialist nation. All right, Democrats have pursued socialist policies. Or I will say most moderate Democrats are not pursuing that. Yes, there are many Democrats who would. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. One of the dumbest people to ever serve in U.S. Congress, for whatever reason, feels the need that these socialist policies, you know, the Green New Deal, all these ridiculous policies that she has pushed, we're going to see that, you know, you're going to see the after effects of those, which Green New Deal didn't go through. But all these socialist policies probably are going to have a negative economic impact. But that's not to say that Democrats, if they push them, have ill intentions at heart. It is not fair to say to Democrats that, oh, because you want people to have paychecks, because you want people to have paychecks so that they can feed their families, that must mean that you're just trying to pursue socialism. No, not at all. They just want checks in the hands of, the, of, of Americans. So we're at this false, you know, where both sides are just attacking each other. For whatever reason, the coronavirus has turned political. And, of course, it's all President Trump's fault, as the media, as they always do, 
it is all President Trump's fault. If it was only better under President Trump's leadership, which is not fair for the president. That is not fair for him. I do not think that President Trump is just sitting in the, you know, in the Oval Office wondering about how he can make the most money out of this possible, as has been implied by the media. That that's how, because he wants to reopen, he only cares about the dollars and his corporate buddies. He doesn't care about everyday Americans. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. So that's kind of where the coronavirus is at this moment. The coronavirus, not to mention, not to mention, there's so much ambiguity with the coronavirus. Nobody can just sit down and say, because I, who who's most at risk? Because you hear conflicting information all the time. I remember when the coronavirus first started, they talked about wearing the masks out in public. Everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. But then they came out and said, no, the masks weren't effective because it's, that would only... That only keeps your germs in. That doesn't keep everybody germ, everybody else's germs out. And then they came back and said, no, the masks are effective. You need to wear the masks. So there's so much misinformation. And there's you can't get a straight answer on basic information that I would want to know. Who is most at risk? All right, obviously senior citizens are most at risk. And they'll say, and some younger people. Well, what age younger people? And they'll... You hear different answers from all kinds of different doctors. And then most doctors will say, well, it's also dangerous for young people with pre-existing conditions. Okay, what pre-existing conditions? More amb you know, ambiguous answers. You cannot get a straight answer out of anybody. There's always just all kinds of different opinions floating all across the news outlets. And you never know who, what you can actually trust. One thing that most doctors agree on is that the people that are at the lowest risk are young adults, are kids and young adults. They are at the lowest risk because they have much stronger immune systems, and it's just that, that COVID-19 does not affect them near as poorly. And I don't know why our policy cannot be structured around that. You know, there have been, there's been a lot of recent studies that have come out saying that there were not any documented cases of kids giving the coronavirus to their parents or to adults. And if that's true, then why can't schools reopen? Because the entire point of keeping schools closed down was that, number one, kids did not spread the coronavirus to each other, but number two, that they did not bring that virus home to their parents and to their grandparents. But if the, if kids can't spread it, or if there aren't any documented cases of kids spreading, and they're not really at risk at all of being harmed by the coronavirus, why in the world can't schools reopen? And so it's things like this, and I know I ran through that really quickly, but it's things like this that just absolutely drive me nuts that I just don't understand. Number one, why is the coronavirus so politicized? We should all be working together to try and find some, because I'm not a doctor and you're probably not either listening to this. More than likely, you are not a doctor. But I do not understand why politicians cannot work. To I mean, you would just think that there would be something, something that can make Democrats and Republicans work together. But of course not. It has to be political food fighting and screaming on national television and holding up bills in Congress, both McConnell and Pelosi. So that is the current nature of the coronavirus, which I, I know was very vague, but we I will get more into it as, as news breaks. So now let us get to the other major news story going on right now, and that is the 2020 presidential election. And in case you, are, you have completely been living under a rock and have absolutely no idea what's going on politically, I will give you the basic rundown. On one hand, you have the incumbent, President Donald Trump, representing the Republican Party, 
who is looking for his second term. And on the other hand, you had the presumptive nominee, Joe Biden, from the Democratic Party. I say presumptive nominee because even though he is the only Democrat running, he's not actually the official nominee. That will not happen until after the DNC convention, which is supposed to be this summer, but who knows when that's supposed to be because of the coronavirus. So it is going to shape up between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And both candidates bring their share of problems to the race. Neither neither one of these candidates, in my opinion at least, are squeaky clean. They both have a lot of issues coming in, and there are more issues surrounding, in my opinion, Joe Biden coming in. All right, The main issues that I have with Joe Biden coming in, and you're not allowed to talk about them, are, number one, his mental capacity, because all you need to do, I don't have to even play. I thought about playing audio for you here, but I don't have to do that, because if you want to look it up on your own, any any speaking video of Joe Biden, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. He can't even get through five sentences without messing up, without some type of political gaffe or some type of mis- mispronunciation or misspeaking. It's awful to watch, and I, I hate that he's in this situation, but he is the candidate the Democrats have now rallied behind. Um, and, you know, his his mental fitness for office is a serious concern for me. I mean, it is for a lot of people, but it is for me too. And it's, you know, a lot of people get upset when you talk about this. They say that it's wrong, that you shouldn't talk about his mental capacity, that that's disrespectful. Yes, and I would totally agree with you if he wasn't running for the presidency. If he wasn't trying to be the president of the United States, I would totally agree with you. But when you're trying to run for president, these are all things that must be taken into account. A lot of people said the exact same thing about President Trump when he was running in 2016, and I agreed with that. I did not know, just based on how brash and how quick-tempered he was or seemed to be on Twitter, that was a major cause for concern for me because I did not know about his mental fitness for the presidency. It turns out he's done a lot better than I thought that he would. I mean, he is still very brash, and he is still very quick-tempered on, tr- on Twitter, but that hasn't really boiled over into his policy decisions, which is what I was upset of, or what I was uh, concerned about, at least in my opinion. The other major issue with Joe Biden is the sexual assault allegation from Tara Reid. Now, it is amazing, truly. It is truly amazing to watch the media cover this, okay? Because I'm old enough to remember five minutes ago. Now, actually, it wasn't five minutes ago. It was, I believe, in spring 2018. Fall, excuse me, fall 2018, I believe. Brett Kavanaugh was trying to get onto the Supreme Court. He was Donald Trump's Supreme Court pick. And he was trying to get onto the Supreme Court. And as the Constitution spells out, if you want to get onto the Supreme Court, you are nominated by the president, but you have to be confirmed by the Senate by at least 51 votes. At least 51 votes have to confirm you onto the Supreme Court. So Brett Kavanaugh was nominated by Donald Trump. He goes to who is now a justice, a Supreme Court justice. He did pass the confirmation. But he goes in front of the Senate, and the Senate starts asking him questions. And then out of left field... Sexual assault allegations come up by a woman named Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who is now a professor. I don't remember where, but she is a professor, and she says that Brett Kavanaugh, the accounts differed, the accounts always changed, but she said that Brett Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her at a party 30-plus years ago when they were both in college together. Now, when she was asked what actually happened at the party, it was very unclear. The story changed. When she asked... When she was asked who was at the party who could verify that, you know, you guys were even in the same place, she said, I don't know. They, they asked her, uh, 
where was this party? She said, I don't know. They said, when was this party? She said, I don't know. I can't remember. I just remember what he did to me. And it called a lot of, I mean, it raised a lot of questions about what she was actually saying. Now, the media and pop culture absolutely ran with her story. They ran headlong. This was a big part of the, the hashtag MeToo movement. I remember the hashtag Believe All Women coming out saying, oh my gosh, we should take her seriously. We should take all allegations seriously, which everyone did. Everybody took her allegations seriously. The only thing that we wanted was some type of corroboration, some type of evidence to say that this was true. Not saying that she's lying, but we have, this, we have something in this country called due process, where if you are accused of a crime, you need to actually have evidence to back up that accusation. All right, due process of law. And there was absolutely no evidence to back up her claims, none whatsoever. She could not present anybody. There were no witnesses that came forward. Nobody could corroborate what she was saying. But it didn't matter. The media, pop culture, everybody was saying, oh, we have to believe all women. If you don't believe her, you're part of the problem. That's what everybody said. If you don't believe her, you're part of the problem. You're a part of the rape culture. I remember that being touted everywhere. And you weren't, weren't part of the rape culture. We just wanted... To, some type of corroboration, which was very important because this guy is trying to get on the Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh is trying to become a Supreme Court justice. So if this is true, we need to have, you know, some type of verification that this is true. But if it's not true, I don't want to see his reputation ruined, and not, which has already been forever damaged. But I don't want to see his, his you know, a, a bid for the Supreme Court, which is the highest honor that any lawyer can get. To serve on the Supreme Court is the top of the top. If you want to go to law school and become an attorney... I mean, obviously, every attorney or most attorneys, <clears throat> excuse me, want to become judges, but the highest judge that you can become is a judge on the Supreme Court, a Supreme Court justice. So I didn't, I mean, nobody wanted to see, or at least nobody sane, in my opinion, didn't want to see Brett Kavanaugh just thrown under the bus just because of some allegation that could not be corroborated and that was 30 years old. She never said anything else. She never said anything to anybody until he was trying to get on the Supreme Court. Then she came forward. And the media ran with this and said, oh my gosh, this has to be true. Brett Kavanaugh was absolutely raked over the coals. It was miserable for him. It was awful to watch. And what made it even worse was that when he came in there, there were a couple days that he came into his confirmation hearings and he was really upset. As you can imagine, I would be too if I was being falsely accused of sexually assault, sexual assault or rape. But he was getting upset and he was getting frustrated with the questions that he came in there with a bad attitude and then the media said oh well how could you want this person on the supreme court because he's he's obviously upset he's not even tempered if you want to be a judge you have to be you can't let your emotions get in the way of a ruling maybe this guy's not fit for the supreme court because look how easily rattled he is yeah you want to know why he's easily rattled because you're accusing him of rape i think most people will be pretty you know pretty rattled by that accusation you're accusing him of rape and there's no evidence to support this. Yeah, he's going to be a little rattled. And that's not the same thing as letting him letting his emotions get in the way of a ruling. He's not going to be sitting on the Supreme Court and, uh, you know, two people go to argue a case. Or two attorneys going to argue both sides of the case. And it, it, part of the case is him having to admit that he's a rapist. Okay, that's, that's an insane, insane comparison. But it was one that the media made. And the only reason I bring all of this up was because the shoe, the proverbial shoe, gets placed on the other foot. The shoe gets placed on the other foot with the presumptive nominee of the Democratic Party, Joe Biden. And there is a woman that comes forward. Her name is Tara Reid. And she says that while she worked as a staffer in the night, I believe in the 1990s, 
while she worked as a staffer, he pulled her into a side room and he sexually assaulted her. He he digitally penetrated her. And she pretty much says this about him. This this came this came out a few months ago and of course, Joe Biden denies the entire thing. He says that this never happened. This is insane. I would never do that. Of course, that is what everyone's going to say. That's the same thing Brett Kavanaugh said. Everyone's always going to unequivocally deny the allegations. The problem was Tara Reid had told other people about it. The, one of the big differences between her and Dr. Christine Blasey Ford was that she actually told other people about her incident. Tara Reid did. Now, I do not think, for the record, that Tara Reid is the most credible person on the face of the planet. I don't know that the allegations are true against Joe Biden, and there really isn't a lot of evidence with her either. There's not a whole lot of evidence that it, that it happened. Now, I'm not saying that she's lying. I'm not saying that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford is lying. The only thing that I'm saying and what any sane person would say is that there's just not enough evidence to say that it's true. There's just not enough evidence to say that it's true, and it's evidence that you must have in order for you know anything to be pursued. You can't just go off the word of the victim. You actually have to have evidence. And if there was some type of a standard, it would be no problem. But the exact same people, you got to keep in mind, Brett Kavanaugh was a Republican or a conservative justice. All right. The reason why he was so hated, he was Trump's pick, and he was a conservative trying to get on the Supreme Court. Media hated him. Now you have Joe Biden, who was President Obama's Vice president for eight years. You have Joe Biden, who is trying to get on the, or excuse me, trying to run for the presidency. He has an allegation of sexual assault. And what does the media do? Well, of course, they don't treat those allegations the same way at all as they treated Brett Kavanaugh, as you can imagine. They don't say, oh, well, you know, we should believe Tara Reid because we should believe all women. That, is, that was exactly, that was the main argument that everybody in the media and everybody in pop culture ran with when it was against Brett Kavanaugh, somebody they didn't like. But now that it's against Joe Biden, somebody that they actually do like and actually do support, they say, oh, well, maybe we should wait for more evidence. Yeah, you think? Do you think we should wait for more evidence? I totally agree. But why were you not saying that against Brett Kavanaugh? Why were you not saying that when it was Brett Kavanaugh? Of course the standard is that we should wait for more evidence. I totally agree, which is why I do not believe Tara Reid just because I don't like Joe Biden. I'll tell you right now, I, I really don't like Joe Biden. But I do not believe Tara Reid just because she's a woman. I don't believe Dr. Christine Blasey Ford because she's a woman. You must have a standard. There must be a standard. And I do not understand why it is so difficult for people in politics to understand this. And the media. Because it's totally different now. Alyssa Milano, one of the most... Oh, I, forgive me. Melissa, Alyssa Milano is now... She was asked... She was one of the biggest people. One, She's the woman from the ASPCA commercials about the sad dog commercials. And she has a... You know... She has a lot of uh, political activism. But when she was asked... They asked her specifically. They said, you know... How do you feel? Because she's very close with Joe Biden. And she was one of the people that was screaming the loudest when it was Brett Kavanaugh saying, oh my gosh, we should we should believe Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. We should believe her. We should believe her. If you don't believe her, you're part of the problem. You just don't believe women. We should believe all women. But now that it's her friend that's being accused, she said, oh, well, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, oh, well, I, I, I think we should wait for due process. What? Where was that two? I mean, where was that two years ago? That was exactly what we were all saying. And look, 
you can have the belief. Now, I'm not saying that you can't. You can have the belief to say, no, I, I, I think we should believe all women at the allegation. Okay, if you want to have that belief, that's fine. But you have to have that as a standard that you apply in both situations. It cannot be true for one and not true for the other. One of my favorite things to say with politics is you can believe whatever you want, but be consistent. You can believe whatever you want, but apply it across all spectrums. It is totally fine. It is totally fine. A lot of the criticisms that we see about President Trump, a lot of them President Obama did as well. President Obama did. You know, I, I, I see people criticizing President Trump for saying, or for him being a, a show business president, that he, he likes all the media attention, he likes all the show business, he likes the, he likes, he's very performance-based, and he has a flair for the dramatic. And I, I agree, I, I think that's a fair criticism, but President Obama did too. President Obama loved the camera. He loved the camera. It's the way politics are now. A lot of our major politics, politicians, excuse me, love the camera. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez loves the camera. Chuck Schumer loves the camera. I mean, Donald Trump loves the camera. They, they love it. Donald Trump loves the media talking about him. I know he has all these, you know, he says all this fake news. He, you know, he gets upset about the coverage. And a lot of times he's right. I think the coverage is a very, very much, or a lot of times unfair of Donald Trump. But he loves the media talking about him. Which brings me to him, since I've already got to him. The next one is Donald Trump. The biggest scandal that's surrounding Donald Trump right now is the coronavirus, his handling of the coronavirus. And of course, that's going to be up to you on whether you believe he has done well or, or not done well. I think, in my personal opinion, about the coronavirus, the best thing that he has done is said, governors, do your thing. Governors, do your thing. Now, he has threatened on occasion. He threatened today. He said that he thought that uh, governors should open up religious services because he said those were essential businesses and that uh, religious services should be allowed to open up and if governor said no then he was going to try and exercise political authority over them and say well no the president said you know being the president he obviously outranks them so he could say yes there's a lot of kind of questions up in the air as to whether he had the authority to do that or not but there have been a couple instances where he, he's done that he's tried to say governors do this but if you don't do what i want then i'm just going to pull rank on you but overall, President Trump has been very, very, very much hands-off. He's let the governors deal with, you know, the coronavirus. And I, I think that's great on President Trump. He should have absolutely done that. Now, where President Trump is not great is that President Trump picks the dumbest fights you could possibly imagine. President Trump picks the dumbest fights you could possibly imagine. Now, President Trump, the best example of this, we're in the height of a coronavirus pandemic. There's a lot of things going on right now. We need leader, strength and leadership from the Oval Office. President Trump, on Twitter, on Twitter, gets on there, retweets a video of Mitt Romney. Of course, he's upset with Mitt Romney because Mitt Romney has been criticizing him. Mitt Romney voted, was the only re Republican vote in the Senate to convict him on impeachment. And he's upset with Mitt Romney. And so he retweets a video. It's kind of like a video compilation of Mitt Romney. And says, loser obviously referring to Mitt Romney losing to the 2012 presidential election. Why? Why? Why was that necessary? Why would you do that, President Trump? And I know his base gets riled up, and they're like, oh my gosh, look at him putting it to him. Yeah, Romney's such a coward. Yeah, put it to him, Mr. President. All right, fine. But again, going back to what I said earlier, have a standard. If President Obama had done that against 
Or President Obama had even said that about Mitt Romney. Would you have reacted that way? Would you have said, oh yeah, get him, Mr. President? Get him? Probably not. If he had done that against John McCain, would you have reacted that way? Probably not, because that's insane, and that's very petty and childish, and it's it's dumb. And just seeing that all the petty and childish things that are happening in politics, that's not just President Trump right now. That's also our Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi called President Trump morbidly obese. Why? Just why? I mean, how... She said in, in, a, in an interview the other day, she said... Uh, President Trump is like a kid who has, what was the actual word? She, I think she said do, uh, do, doggy do on his shoes, I believe is exactly what she said. He's like a two-year-old that has doggy do on his shoes. Doggy do do. From your current Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. And President Trump, how does he respond? Well, of course, in the way that you would expect President Trump to respond, he just comes back swinging even more. This is the kind of dogfighting that President Trump loves. It's one of the biggest mistakes that I think Nancy Pelosi makes, or any Democrat. Don't get into a mudslinging battle with Donald Trump. Like, Donald Trump, don't feed the troll. That's what the, the, the internet adage is. Do not feed the troll. And it's totally true. You should not feed the troll. Because Donald Trump loves it. His base loves it. He loves when somebody tries to swing on him. Of course, with words, not physically. But tries to verbally swing on him because he just punches right back. Donald Trump does not back down ever on, on things like that. He loves it, and his base loves it. Ignore Donald Trump. If you honestly want to make him mad, just ignore him because he can't stand it. He can't stand it when, you know, always starve the troll and the troll will die, and that's totally true. Donald Trump is the he is the best internet troll I've ever seen. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, even if you don't like President Trump, you have to, you have to agree. Donald Trump is a, is a phenomenal internet troll. He gets people so riled up. So much so that it's unjustified. Again, as I've said, and I will continue to say on this program, you must have a standard. If there is something that President Trump does that you do not like, fine. But always ask yourself, take off the proverbial shoe and put it on the other foot and say, if this was something that President Obama did, would I be upset about it? If what Donald Trump did, if President Obama had done that, would I be upset about it? And if the answer is... No, I wouldn't be upset about it. I'm only upset when Trump does it. Then you need to ask yourself why that is. You truly need to ask yourself why that is. Is that because you just hate President Trump? Because I would answer probably yes. But if it is something that Trump did and you would say, yeah, I would be upset if, if President Obama did this. Okay, great. Then it's a fair criticism. It's truly a fair criticism. But you have you have people getting upset with Trump over the craziest things. Yesterday, I saw on Twitter, there was a video of a, and if you want to reach out to me, I can send you any links to anything that I'm talking about, no problem. Uh, there was a video of a man working in a nursing home, and I, I do not, I have not verified the legitimacy of the video. I, I don't know anything that has necessarily happened on the video um, other than what I saw, and I, let me be very upfront. I don't know what the backstory. I have no idea what's happening. I, I can't imagine there would be much of a backstory because what I saw in the video was horrendous. There's nothing, no backstory, no nothing that's going to be able to justify what's on the video. But anyway, it is a video of a guy in a nursing home, and he is just beating up on this old person laying down on a bed. Looks like they're laying down, either sitting up or, or laying down, and he just he just 
swinging on him. It's just And I don't know what he's doing recording himself. I don't know if he's recording himself. I, I don't know. But it is a video of him just assaulting a nursing home member. Uh, and President Trump saw this and tweeted out about it. He was very vague, and he said, "What you know? What is this? How is this allowed to happen?" And you know, it was it was a very vague tweet. He didn't like actually cite the video, but that that is what he was talking about. And so people get up get upset about this. This should be something that we are all everybody universally is upset about because obviously anybody in a nursing home being assaulted by a worker is is horrendous. That is something that we should all be upset about. But were we all upset about it? No, of course not. We've got to be upset about President Trump because that's what the blue check marks on Twitter do. Anything President Trump says, anything, even if it is something that we should all agree with, they have to be upset about it. So what did they what did they argue against? What did I see the blue check marks arguing against? Number one, um, that his tweet was too vague, that they didn't know what he was talking about, and that that was, quote, very irresponsible by Dr. Eugene Wu, MD, the guy that always tweets, the doctor that always responds to Trump's tweets. He responded and said, oh, this is very irresponsible, Mr. President. How? Why, we don't even know what you're talking about. And then you had people saying that, uh, I saw some blue check marks on Twitter saying that, well, you know, President Trump has no right to talk about the guy that's assaulting the old or the older person in a nursing home because that's what President Trump is wanting to do to older people in, the, or in nursing homes because he's wanting to reopen the country. That because Trump wants to reopen the country from the coronavirus, that is the exact same as that guy who is beating up on the on the nursing home patient, and so Trump has no right to to say any, to say that that's wrong, which is insanity, insanity to equate a guy that is physically assaulting a nursing home patient with President Trump because he's wanting to reopen the country is absolute insanity. But that's that's what it's politics now. That's this is the way that that things operate. This is twenty twenty politics. And so the last thing that I'm going to talk about today is the Michael Flynn scandal. So if you don't know, Michael Flynn was a national security advisor excuse me, for President Trump until he fired him because Michael Flynn got caught up in um, pretty much a scandal saying that he was talking to the Russians, that he was talking to the Russians, and that he was actually arrested for lying to the FBI, but the DOJ has dropped that investigation. He actually even confessed to it, but the DOJ has dropped that investigation. So this is the, this is the thing. If you turn on the news at all right now, President Obama, or excuse me, President Trump keeps saying Obamagate, Obamagate, Obamagate. This is worse than, uh, this is worse than Watergate. This is worse than Watergate. This is Obamagate. And what Trump is so upset about, and in my opinion, he is upset about nothing. Um, what President Trump is so upset about is that he says he says that the FBI treated Michael Flynn unfairly, that President Obama, that Joe Biden. That all these people were colluding together to try and go after incoming officials. This was toward the later days of President Obama's final term. And they were going after officials that they knew were going to serve on the Trump campaign or Trump administration. So they were already, before Obama left office, he was going after Trump advisors to try and pretty much, you know, put Trump in hot water when he started office. Um, And... He's saying that it, Trump is saying that it's this massive conspiracy, that it goes way, you know, he says the deep states, it's a massive conspiracy that goes really far deep and that the media won't cover it because they're covering for the Democrats. And it's a, it's a massive, massive mess. Okay. Let me just tell you the actual facts. 
and you can decide for yourself. Okay, number one, Michael Flynn was having contacts with with Russians. I mean that that's that's verified. All right, Michael Flynn was having contact with Russians before Donald Trump assumed office. All right, Obama the Obama administration found out that Michael Flynn was trying to have contact with Russian officials before he took office, and so they launched an investigation as to what these con these these contacts or what what these conversations were going to consist of now two things can be true at once number one is it suspicious that michael flynn was the incoming national security advisor to donald trump is it suspicious that he's talking to other countries not really because he's that's what he's going to be doing is talking to other countries as national security advisor so there's nothing wrong with him talking to a foreign power number two obama finding out that you know one of trump's officials is talking to russia is that would Obama be right to be suspicious about that? Yes, of course. He would be right to be suspicious of anybody that's talking to Russia. So Michael Flynn is not wrong to talk to Russia. Obama is not wrong to want to look into, and not illegal. That is certainly true. Definitely not illegal for him to look into why Michael Flynn is talking to Russia. Not illegal. All right. He wanted to have him unmasked to see what who was the American that was talking to Russia. Totally illegal. Now, where it gets into hot water, or totally legal, excuse me. Where it gets into hot water was Michael Flynn's name was leaked to the press, which is illegal. You are not a, that when classified material like that gets leaked to the press, that is now a crime. Now, this is what Trump is is harping all over, saying that it was just a massive conspiracy that Obama knew that it was Michael Flynn and he was trying to get take Trump down, and that's what Trump. That's what the main argument is. Personally, I I don't see the evidence for that. Okay, I think the evidence is very weak. I don't see it as this massive conspiracy to take Trump down. Um, I don't really know. I, I I know why Trump is saying it. Trump is behaving like a losing candidate. And as of right now, because of the new polls, Trump is losing. Right now, he is behind uh, Joe Biden in the polls for the 2020 election, which is insane because Trump used to hold a commanding lead over Joe Biden. And I think a lot of, a lot of it, it has to do with his um, coronavirus respo response. Now, what actually comes of that, who knows? Nobody can actually say for sure what's going to come of that. But it all does show that President Trump is kind of losing or kind of going down in popularity. And it does not help when he starts just screaming about all these conspiracies and all these all this nonsense. It, it, it's, he's behaving like a candidate who is losing. And he shouldn't be. He has no reason to, he has a lot of things that he can run on. He used to have the economy before the coronavirus pandemic. President Trump was very strong on the economy, and he used to have that. But now, now we're moving into this area where who knows what's going to happen in 2020. Um, I think Joe Biden, you know, to sum all this up, I think Joe Biden would be a very weak president. I think he would be much weaker than President Trump. But I wish President Trump would stop picking all these stupid fights. I wish he would stop screaming about Michael Flynn. All right. Now, to be fair, Michael Flynn, the reason why I say is it, you know, I, I just want to be honest, okay? Is it bad that all this information was leaked to the press? Yes. Is that a crime? Yes. Can Is it a crime that we can prove? Probably not because you're going to have to prove who leaked it, and that's going to be, that's going to be impossible. How in the world are you going to, that was, what, that's, that's four years ago. How are you going to prove who leaked that to the press? That's the only actual crime that was committed. Which is the reason why Trump typically dodges the questions of, 
the media, rightfully so, ask him, what was the crime? What was the crime? You always talk about Obamagate. You always talk about Obamagate. What was the crime that was actually committed? Because you want to say that it was like Watergate. That was actually a crime. That was Nixon's. That was with Richard Nixon, which caused his resignation. That was actually a crime. But what? where's the actual crime in Obamagate? And so the media doesn't want to cover it. The media always says, oh, this is stupid. Why would we waste our time on this? And I, I think the media is wrong there, too. I think the media should cover it. And I think the media would benefit the media who is so pro-Democrat, obviously. They claim to be fair and unbalanced. They're not. The media who is so pro-Democrat, I think they should cover it. I think their their case is stronger to cover it. I think they look weaker when they say, oh, I, I just don't want to cover it. It's not worth my time. It's not worth that time. Well, that makes it look like you have something to hide. That makes it look like you're trying to cover up for something. But I really honestly don't think, based on the information that's been given here, I do not think there's a whole lot to be covered up for. So, yeah, cover it. Let the facts come out. Like, just cover it and, and make everybody happy. You, I would think you could throw that right back in Trump's face if you would cover it. But... Trump, of course, when you say that you're not going to cover it, Trump's going to throw that all in your face. Trump's going to say, that's because you're fake news. That's because you know you're just trying to protect President Obama. That's You don't want to cover it because, you know, you're in bed with the Democrats. You, you know this is bad on President Obama, and you're just trying to make him look good, and Joe Biden. But I don't think that's the case. I think the media should cover it, and I think it is kind of wrong of them anyway. I don't think the media who claim to be fair and unbalanced need to pick what stories they're going to cover if it is a major news story. This is a major news story. Trump talks about it all the time. He's the president of the United States. He talks about it all the time. Cover it. Cover it. Don't be dismissive. Cover it. Let the details come out. Now, I know that was a lot of that that was a lot of information about the 2020 election and of course there's going to be a lot more evidence that breaks or excuse me, news that breaks, and I want to be very upfront with you. And, you know, I try to give my, my fair and unbalanced look. It, I, like I said, I am centrist. I do, I guess, lean more to the conservative side, but I am more centrist. I, I had no problem criticizing President Trump. I hope that you see that now. I had no problem criticizing President Obama because they both, the President Obama and, excuse me, the and Joe Biden running for the presidency because I think they both, all three of them, have done awful things, stupid things that absolutely deserve criticism. And I'm not afraid to do that. And I don't mind appraising either. I think President Trump, like I said, President Trump, my biggest praise for him right now is him being very hands-off and saying, look, as he should be, any time there is a pandemic, I think the federal government should always say, states, take care of it. Let me know what you need. States, whatever you guys need, take care of it. You tell me. I, I, all the federal government should be is a check, to, in my opinion. The word states, governors say, hey, Mr. President, I need this, this, and this. President Trump makes it happen. I mean, I've, I've, all, I've been very, 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 very strong support. I've been a very strong supporter of that ever since Hurricane Katrina. I've always felt that way. Um, but anyway, I, I don't mean to ramble on about that. But, but that would that would certainly be my my biggest praise for President Trump is is his handling. In a lot of ways, I think he's done a, a pretty good job of his handling of the coronavirus. My biggest criticism is he picks unnecessary fights and he picks stupid fights. And I know it gets the base riled up and I know I'm probably going to get fussed at for saying this, but he picks ridiculous fights that he doesn't need to. And I wish he would just stop. I, I wish he would just get off Twitter and stop engaging in these stupid political, you know, side arguments that nobody needs. Joe Biden, my biggest praise for Joe Biden is that 
Joe Biden, it, well, my biggest praise for him was that, you know, Joe Biden could actually kind of stay on the sidelines and Joe Biden could actually, you know, be kind of a, a unifying figure in the Democratic Party because there is a major split in the Democratic Party right now. You have your far leftists led by the squad, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, um, Ilhan Omar, you know, the radical left side of the Democratic Party. And then you have the centrists in the Democratic Party who do not want what the leftists do. The leftists want our pro-socialism. They're pro-intersectionality. They're pro pretty much make everything free. And they're, you know, they, they're very, very much hate President Trump. They're, they can't stand President Trump. And they're the loudest. They're the ones you hear from all the time. They're, they're the loudest. They make up a small part of the Democratic Party, but they are the loudest. So it makes it sound like um, that they, they're a major part of the Democratic Party, when in actuality, most Democrats are very moderate. And most Democrats are in the center. They don't want socialism. They may not like President Trump, and that's totally fine. They may be very critical of President Trump, but they're not ready for a Bernie Sanders-style presidential candidate. And Joe Biden was somebody who catered to those people. Joe Biden was somebody who catered to those moderates. Joe Biden didn't want Medicare for all. He's somebody who, who catered to those moderates. But now he's, we're talking about his number one pick for the, pre, or for the vice presidency is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, the senator from California. The one who was very, very, very far to the left. She was wanting to free everything. She, she has crazy policies. Why pick her, Mr. Biden, Mr. Vice President? Why would you pick her? What does she bring to your campaign? You're not bringing those far leftists. You're not going to bring them unless you just start changing your policies. But if you start changing your policies, you're going to lose the moderates. I do not understand that. I don't know what Kamala Harris has to offer your campaign other than that she's a, she's a woman and she's a person of color, which goes... As a Republican, you're like, who cares? As a Democrat, on the far left side, you're like, oh my gosh, that checks so many boxes. But anyway, I will be back next week with more, an update on everything that's going on, an update on the coronavirus, an update on the 2020 presidential election, and everything else that's going on. If you have any questions, you can email me at GuardNation at gmail.com. That's GuardNation at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at GuardNationShow at, or excuse me, at GuardNationShow on Twitter. Um, I post, I interact with people. You can send me a message on Twitter if you follow me. You can send me an email. Um, no problem. Any If you want any any of the things I've talked about, with this being a podcast, it's kind of hard to put out. But any um, articles that I've referenced or any videos that I've referenced or any audio, whatever you want, be more than happy to send it to you. If you have questions about anything or if you disagree with something that I've said, send me an email, send me a message. I would love to have that or I would, I would love to interact with you. But check back in next week for an update on all news. And thank you for tuning in to Guard Nation.